Thank you for listening to this audio recording from the pastoral team at Church of the Redeemer, an Anglican church in Greensboro, North Carolina. If you'd like to know more about Church of the Redeemer, its ministry, or its mission, then visit us online at RedeemerGSO.org. You may be seated. Would you rather be given $1 million or one penny doubled every day for 30 days? You remember this question from math class, right? This is when we all learned the power of compound interest and exponential growth. At the end of 30 days, that doubled penny becomes just over $5 million. Turns out, the same concept applies to missions. Imagine you filled a football stadium with 100,000 people for a gospel outreach event, and 20% of them came to know Christ. That day, 20,000 people would come into the kingdom. If you did that every day for a year, over 7 million people would come to faith. That sounds pretty great, right? Here's the question though. If you kept that pace of 7 million people each year, how long would it take to reach the world's population of 8 billion people? Over 1,000 years. 1,095 to be exact. A 100,000 person outreach event every day for 1,000 years? From a pure number standpoint, mass evangelism will not reach the world for Christ in our lifetime. What about a different strategy inspired by that original math problem? Instead of preaching to 100,000 people every day, suppose you made one disciple each year, focused on their development, and equipped them to make their own new disciple every year. At the end of the first year, you would have two followers of Jesus, you and your disciple. At the end of the second year, you would have four, eight the third year, 16 the fourth, and so on, 32, 64, 128. How many years would it take to disciple the world using this strategy? 34 years. Do the math. Something profound happens when we take a multiplication mindset. In the Great Commission, Jesus tells us to go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. He continues by instructing us to teach those disciples to obey everything he commanded us. What was his final command? Go and make disciples. So our role is to make disciples that obey the command to make disciples that obey the command to make disciples. We're to go to all nations and make disciple-making disciples. That's multiplication. Reach the few in order to reach the many. What if you didn't feel the burden to preach to an entire village or city or country? but instead were faithful to the simple multiplication principles of the Great Commission. The entire world could be discipled in our generation if we started with just one. What about you? How might God want you to be involved in making disciples that make disciples in seeing movements of Jesus among every tribe, tongue, people, and nation? Would you rather fill a stadium every day for the next thousand years or commit to making one disciple this year Let's do this together until all have heard, starting with discipling one. So, who's your one? Buenos dias. Uh, acaba de regresar de México anoche, entonces uh, uh, todavía estoy en el tiempo de México. Good morning. Welcome to World Mission Sunday at Redeemer. Woohoo! Look at these flags. Isn't this fun? This is the funnest day to celebrate what God is doing among the nations. 
I am so excited to finally be able to be here to preach at Redeemer on World Mission Sunday. Usually this is the one uh, season that I get invited to come and preach at other places around our province, but I'm Jenny Noyes and our family has been attending Redeemer um, since 2015. I'm married to Larry, and uh, unfortunately, he is not well this morning, and so he and Kelly are not able to be here. But we live in Elon, and uh, we have three grown children, Kelly and Eric and Brian, and our two daughters in love, Megan and Becca, and our adopted Pakistani son, Max Graham. So many of you know Max. He's kind of famous around this church now, and he also lives with us in Elon. And those are my parents uh, who live in Mevin, so our beautiful family. And I have the privilege of leading New Wineskins Missionary Network, a mission-mobilizing nonprofit that has been mobilizing Anglicans for global mission for nearly 50 years. And we are headquartered in the offices right up there. And you'll see in the Epiphany video that we're also part of the New Garden Abbey. So very intertwined here at Redeemer. And we do our work through conferences. And many of you heard about the new Wineskins Conference that we just had this past fall. And through networks, and you'll hear a little bit more about that, through partners and through resources. And we are the hub for global mission for the Anglican Church in North America, or ACNA, which is our province. Through our website, newwineskins.org, you can find resources for all types of mission engagement and links to dozens of our partner mission agencies. And we really do hope you'll go there. Just take a look around. There is so much there uh, that can be helpful to you as you just explore uh, maybe how God may be calling you into global mission. And you can join for free. These are just participate in uh, one of our six mission networks focused on human trafficking. And I don't know if you all know, but Super Bowl Sunday is the number one day for human trafficking in our country. So let's be in prayer uh, for this day where so many people are abused and it's, it's horrific. Um, but we have this mission network on human trafficking, on prayer for all nations, on healing and mission, reaching international students, creation care, and the persecuted church. So please let us know how we can help you. Uh, if you have anything you, uh, that we can help you with in terms of your missional calling, we are more than happy to sit down and have a cup of coffee with you. New Wineskins also coordinates the work of the Anglican Global Mission Partners. And so you'll see this uh, rings of intersection and overlapping. But a AGMP, as we call it, is a network of 50 mission agencies and missional ministries, dioceses, including our own, we are a member, churches, and seminaries. And World Mission Sunday itself, as a result, is, uh, which is celebrated today by hundreds of ACNA churches, was birthed out of the collaboration of AGMP. And so I also lead the Global Mission Initiative, uh, or GMI, of the ACNA. This is Acronym Sunday as well. And so you might want to be taking notes and jotting down what all of these letters mean. If you work for the military, the church is worse. Uh, we were in the military and <laughs> lots of alphabet soup here. But the Global Mission Initiative is made up of one GMI advocate from each diocese that each bishop appoints. And our rep is uh, Matt Foster from Christ the King over in Boone. And uh, it might sound a little bit like alphabet soup, but it is important for us all to understand how mission is a little bit different than some other denominations within our Anglican context. Uh, but to understand how mission equipping and sending is unique uh, to us so that you can get involved and just know uh, what those access points are. But I'm a layperson, like most of you, 
and none of my higher education was in a field of study that prepared me for my current role. <laughs> so I hope that might be an encouragement to some of you. But my life has just been a series of events, trying to listen to God and obey what we felt like was just the next right step in this journey of living as a Christian on mission with God in this dark world. So let us unite our hearts in prayer for this time of opening God's word together. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, on this World Mission Sunday, we just um, put away the things that are on our minds right now and help us to tune in to your heart, Lord, for the nations, to see this dying, hurting, and dark world all around us, Lord. We ask that you would come by your Holy Spirit and take my words and take our ears and touch our hearts to hear and receive what you would have to say to us today. We ask these things in the powerful name of Jesus. Amen. Now, our scripture readings today, and there were a couple of others appointed for the, today that we didn't read, but I will refer to them and I'll read them out. But our scripture readings for today just weave together in this beautiful way to paint a picture of God's heart for the world and how he has chosen every one of us to partner with him in sharing the good news of Jesus until all have heard. And we've heard through this video how many have not heard, right? Isaiah 49, 1 through 7 is captioned, the servant of the Lord. This scripture actually looks to Israel's past, to the prophet Isaiah's present, and to the future coming of Christ 700 years after Isaiah's prophecy. It points to the fact that God called Israel to be a people for himself and to show the rest of the world his great covenantal love that he wants to be in relationship with those he created. But Israel fails, as we see throughout the scriptures, in this calling again and again. And then the prophet Isaiah, among many others, was raised up to try to call Israel back to God. But Isaiah ultimately fails, and it's only through Jesus that God's plan for salvation and redemption for all will ultimately be fulfilled. Now, this season of Epiphany that we're in, this is the second to the last Sunday in Epiphany, is a season where we see how different people are enlightened to the good news that Jesus is the promised one, the Messiah. And that's why we always celebrate World Mission Sunday during Epiphany. In Isaiah 49, verse 6 says, it is too light a thing that you should be my servant to raise up the tribes of Jacob, to bring back the preserved of Israel. In other words, the church that exists at that time. I will make you a light for the nations, for the Gentiles, that you may bring my salvation to the ends of the earth. And one commentary I read says that these verses have been called the Great Commission of the Old Testament a soaring prophecy that looks beyond Israel's judgment and exile, return and restoration to the salvation of the whole world and the glory of the despised servant, Jesus. It's like God is saying through Isaiah, no, that's just the beginning, just the first move of my majestic plan of salvation. I have my eyes on the whole world. I always have. Indeed, that's why I elected Israel in the first place as a kind of beachhead in my campaign to reclaim a worshiping people for myself, to live with me forever. Like God is saying, you ain't seen nothing yet. 
Of course, from our vantage point, we know about the glorious coming of Christ into the world, his life of healing and miracles and proclaiming the kingdom of God and his brutal death and glorious resurrection and ascension into heaven. But they didn't have that perspective, but we do. So on this World Mission Sunday, let's take a moment to define what missions is not and what missions is. Missions is not a European invention. It's not an American idea, but God's heart to reconcile the whole world to himself. Missions used to be about only going to another country. It used to be from the West to the rest. Have you heard that? From the West to the rest. Then we see the rise of missionaries coming from the global South and going to the ends of the earth. And it's no longer just about going across the ocean but about going across town, going across the street, maybe going across the hall where you work or where you study. Now missions is from everywhere to everywhere. And that's exciting because now it's easier for all of us to be involved. Missions is God's thread of promise to bless the world, fulfilled in Jesus and continued by his people around the world through their intentional love and service to those who have not heard the good news that Jesus came to save the world. The Gentiles of Isaiah in Jesus' day were people who were not Jews, but now we refer to Gentiles as those who are not Christians, not yet Christians, those who are still outside the family of God. So who are the Gentiles at the ends of the earth today? Now, some of the terms we use today are unreached or unevangelized. There are whole ethnic groups, or what the Bible refers to as ethne, that we call unreached people groups. Another acronym, UPGs, unreached people groups. So let's just do a quick review of the people groups of the world. There are about 17,500 people groups in the world, and of those, 7,425 are still unreached. That's 42% of the world, of all the unreached groups in the world, 42%, still unreached. The population of the world, as you saw in the video, is close to 8 billion. The population of unreached is 3.37 billion people in 2023. That's 42.5% of the total population of the world. It's still hard to believe that after all this time, this is where we are. This is the state of the Great Commission. Unreached groups lack enough followers of Christ and resources to evangelize their own people. They often have no church in their area. There's no Christian around that can share the gospel with them. There's no scripture translated into their heart language. And this is why we still need missionaries, or what we sometimes call cross-cultural workers, CCWs, that's another acronym, cross-cultural workers, to take the gospel to them. So one first step you can take to begin to just get a heart for the nations is to just do a simple thing as downloading this Joshua Project app or sign up for their daily email. It just comes right into your inbox and you just take a moment to read a little bit about this unreached people group, where they are, what gods they're serving, what's happening with them, and to just say a prayer. And you'd be amazed at how it just begins to form you every day in, that, in just doing that one little discipline. So joshuaproject.net, you can just download that. 
You can do that in your family devotions at dinner time. You know, just think about how you can integrate these little things into your daily life. But it's crazy how much we know about all these people. So when you look at that, so much detail, all this research, all this online stuff, so much we know about all the peoples of the earth with all this technology we have available to us. But when I was 11, who's 11 in here? One of you? Huh? Close, maybe close. When I was 11, my dad took me to hear a female missionary who was back from Africa to give a report at our church. Now, I grew up right down I-40 in a little town called Mebane, and of my four siblings, just so happened that I was the only one that dad grabbed that night to take to church with him. You know, we were, it was just my parents were always, at whatever was happening at the church, we were there, and he just grabbed me that night. Though all of my siblings, there are four of us, love Jesus and serve him in amazing ways, I'm the only one involved in foreign missions. And I have to believe that a seed was planted in my heart that night because I heard at 11 years old firsthand about an extraordinary woman, an ordinary woman doing extraordinary things through the power of the Holy Spirit in a country halfway around the world. And I was mesmerized looking at her slides, the slideshow. I know, I'm dating myself, but, you know, it's the little slide reel. Y'all, y'all don't, some of y'all don't even know what I'm talking about. But I was just mesmerized. I was seeing these images, and I was just like, her life is so full of faith-filled adventure. And from that moment, I wanted to go to Africa. Then my husband and I lived overseas in Mexico and England when he was a diplomat with the State Department. My first mission trip was actually to Kenya in 2003, and I got to take our then 11-year-old son, Eric. And of our three kids, he is the most missional. He's been on these mission trips, and that's the seed that was planted in his heart. And my other kids are serving God in amazing ways, but that was his exposure at 11, and it helped to form him. And that's why it's so important to expose our children and youth to God's heart for the nations from a very early on in their missional formation and their spiritual formation. And I love how integrated our parish is with our East African service and Kiswahili. Some of you don't even know this is happening. At 2 o'clock and 4 o'clock, there are these other services here. Every Sunday, we have an Arabic service for our Sudanese, and maybe a Spanish service is on the horizon. And it was so exciting to see how we do. We are exposed to these things through people that we hear, global leaders that we hear at, from this pulpit and through our classes and missionaries that we send out. We're sending the Webbers out with the Society of Anglican Missionaries and Senders. And we have people coming and telling their stories. And the children even today are reading a book in their classes about frontier people groups. So this just warms my heart. But so how does this all work? You know, we hear the statistics and about the need for cross-cultural workers, but how does this actually translate into action for us? So I want to just take a quick look at Psalm 67. It says, May God be gracious to us and bless us and make his face to shine upon us, that your way may be known on, on the earth, your saving power among the nations. Let the peoples praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you. So how does God blessing us and shining on us help make God's way known on earth and his power known among all nations? This is where we come in. God shines on us and we let that light shine through us to other people. We are blessed to be a blessing. As believers, we are called to be everyday missionaries. 
I want you to start thinking of yourself as an everyday missionary to share our faith with others around us. Because wherever you are is your mission field. Let me say that again. Wherever you are, that's your mission field. God put you there for a reason, and he has a plan for you to reach others wherever you are. Our gospel reading from Matthew 9, 35 through 38 is also very applicable to today's theme of mission. And this is just amazing. Just listen to this again. And Jesus went throughout all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every disease and every affliction. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion for them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. And he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. That's a familiar scripture. And how often we read this familiar passage and we think God is asking us to pray that others will be raised up. Right? Is that what we pretty much think of? God, raise up people to go. And that's great, but we don't usually think about praying and asking God how we might be an answer to this prayer ourselves. And my husband Larry has jokingly said on many occasions, here am I, Lord, send my wife. <laughs> and truth be told, and he was a teacher at a Christian school for many years, and he led me, he's led more short-term mission trips than I have. But, but have you ever had a real burden to pray about a societal problem, something that really has just broken your heart, and then heard the Lord speak to you that you are the one that he's calling to help address that problem? Now, I've heard many people say that they don't have a dramatic conversion story, so they don't feel like they have anything to share with others. You know, we've all heard that dramatic story where somebody who had an addiction or something just dramatically comes to Christ in a day and then goes on to, you know, be a street evangelist or something. And we think, well, we don't, I don't really have a, a really powerful story like that, so I don't really share my story. And it's not just about sharing your testimony of how you came to faith, but it could just be about sharing what God did in your life yesterday or how he answered a prayer. But here's the good news that we can all share Okay? In Christ, we are totally accepted. We are unconditionally loved. Unconditionally loved. We are completely forgiven. We are free from death and beloved members of God's eternal family. So don't you think this good news could bring some hope to someone you know in this hopeless world? So share your story, share your stories, share your little, your little answers to prayer stories, share his story. Come alongside people and say, what you are searching for has been revealed. We have found the Messiah. So I encourage you just to begin to ask God to use you right where you are. Ask him to give you a heart for the unreached, for the Gentiles right around you. We need to spend some time listening for the voice of God and then responding to it, maybe repenting, obeying what he says. Sometimes it doesn't make sense. And a lot of times the things that God tells us to do would not be ideas we would have on our own. Those are the times we really know it's the Lord. It's like, I actually don't really want to talk to this person I've never met before, but okay. 
And some, it's just amazing when we obey, listen and obey what he says, just trusting that God will have purposes and plans for us that will blow our minds and it will bless your heart as you obey him and see him working in your life every day. But we never go in our own strength. This is not about personality. This is not about education. Although, you know, God uses all of those things, but we never go in our own strength, but in the power, in and with the power of the Holy Spirit. So let's look at the New Testament reading, uh, which we didn't get to read from the epistle, Acts 1, especially verse 8. And this says, um, but you might receive power when the Holy... No, not might, no. That's not right. Okay, let me, let me start that over again. I'm sorry, I'm in the South, I forgot. But you might could receive power when the Holy Spirit... No? That's, mm. Okay, let's see. You know, I got it, I got it right here. If you live a holy enough life and do enough good deeds, then maybe the power of the Holy Spirit... No? Let's read that again. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. So do you feel powerful? If you are a Christian, you have the power of the Holy Spirit living inside you, leading you. If we are Christians, then the question really is, what kind of witnesses will we be? Not whether we'll be a witness. If you claim to know Christ, you are a witness. So what kind of witness are you? How will God call us and lead us to be his witnesses, to take the gospel to the ends of the earth? As many of you know, we just hosted the New Wineskins Global Mission Conference last fall at Ridgecrest Conference Center up in the uh, Black Mountain area. And this is the Global Mission Conference uh, that New Wineskins hosts every three years. And last fall, we had 1,600 people from 65 nations gathered together with hundreds more tuning in online. And I just want to give a little moment uh, just to acknowledge and thank my staffers, many of whom are members of this congregation, Lucinda Gonzalez, Max Graham, Naomi Wagner, Pam Bearden, Jeremy McNeese, Ken and Kate Venable worked hard. And Lucinda and Naomi are Greensboro Fellows graduates, and I've hired four Greensboro Fellows graduates on my mission staff, yes. And they just worked tirelessly before, during, and after the conference. So that small little staff hosted that big global conference. And, but so many others of you sitting right here worked on our, auto, our AV and our child care. Oh, my gosh, Rhea and Estella just killed themselves for five days. We had 220 children under 18 that we cared for for eight days. People volunteered from here. People helped with decor. We took stuff from the altar. We said, you'll see this in about 10 days, and we just took it down there. We, you all supported this effort, and many support our ministry financially and help with legal things. We have people that help with accounting. I mean, there's just so much that this congregation helps us with, and I just want to take this moment to thank you all for this way that we're integrated into this congregation. It's just beautiful. But one of the reasons that we host the conference is to gather the global Anglican missional community together, to give space to worship and to learn and to share testimonies and to network together. And just to give space for hearing God's call, it is truly a taste of heaven to worship with that many people in that many languages together. And I can tell you story after story of people who've received their missional call after being prayed for, or after having an encounter with God, or after having a divinely orchestrated conversation at the conference. 
And I, I recently heard, we get these fruit reports in all the time, even from years ago. We've been doing this for 30 years, running these conferences, and I'll still hear stories that I didn't even know are part of our new wineskins uh, story. And recently I heard that the spark of the idea for the establishment of Uganda Christian University came from a conversation that happened at a new wineskins conference. Uganda Christian University is the largest Christian university in East Africa with 8,000 students. Many of you know Luke and Abby, that's their alias names, and there are six kids from Winston-Salem just down the road here, and they found uh, their sending agency, Anglican Frontier Missions at New Wineskins, but also happened to get a call on the middle of that mountain to discern where they were supposed to go. They knew they were supposed to go somewhere, but they didn't actually know where, and they discerned what UPG, what Unreached People Group, God was calling them to serve in North Africa, where they are now. Or the story about Reverend Basoke Balakenga from a war-torn area of the Democratic Republic of the Congo, who came as a scholarship recipient and now has many global partners helping him in, this, in his work to preach peace and reconciliation to people who have been raped, who have been sex trafficked by rebels, who've seen, some of them have seen their whole families hacked to death with machetes. And these people literally just walk up to his peace center in the middle of this refugee camp. And he trains others to do trauma healing and teach forgiveness of their enemies. Can you imagine forgiving someone who killed your whole family? Basoke inspires me daily. We often can't forgive our next door neighbor for putting his trash cans over our property line. I mean, think about this. Basoke will be here March 12th in the afternoon to share his story with us. Or Clark and Carol Rogers Smith, who received an Abrahamic call in their retirement age at New Wineskin several years ago to go home and sell all they had and go to a land that God would show them. This was, the, this was what they heard at the conference. So I know you're probably like, I am never going to that conference. No, no, no. You will not see me there. But they just went because they were on their you know, church's mission committee. And they're like, we're here to pray and support and we give. And they had an a, a, um, executive recruiting company. And literally both of them heard at the same time, God is asking us to sell our company, sell our house, and go to where he will sh show you. We don't even know. We don't even know why we're doing these things. The day they got home from the conference, these two young guys that were, they had trained up to do this kind of work said, you know, Clark, we're really feeling like we're ready to launch out, maybe do this on our own, and we'll go far away enough that it's not going to be a compete. And he said, you know what, I'll do you one better. I'll sell you this company. And they were like, what? And he said, God just told me to sell it, and you walked in here and said you're ready for this. So the day after the conference, that happened. And they sold their house, and they started this ministry called the E-412 Ministries, based on Ephesians 4.12. And now they've led teaching missions in their 70s now in over 20 countries over the past decade. They go to places like Nepal, where, I mean, it's crazy. You know, I, one day they'll just go right off over the mountain and into Jesus' glory. I mean, it's crazy, crazy dangerous stuff they do. And Clark serves as our board chairman for New Wineskins. But in our everyday lives, we often find it hard to get quiet enough to hear God's voice. And so coming away to a beautiful setting like, uh, the, you know, the Ridgecrest setting in the Blue Ridge Mountains and spending that time together helps us hear what God is doing around the world. And we receive our marching orders from the Lord in terms of how we might join him in this global work. But you don't have to wait another three years to the, for the next new wineskins conference to come around to discern your calling or even what your next right step might be in mission 
As Anglicans, our liturgical rhythms engage us in daily devotions about this stuff and weekly services to come and study the Bible, worship and pray together, and then remember through the sacraments what Christ has done for us. And finally, to be sent out into the world to do the work that God has given us to do. So I want to share a challenge that we launched at the conference and are now praying will become a vision for the whole Anglican communion. I call it the 111 challenge. And it has three parts. Okay, this is going to be require some audience participation here. I lost my little red sticker. But all right. So everyone hold up one finger with me. Hold up one finger. Now take that finger and point it to yourself. You, me, we are the first one. Do you know that only one believer out of a hundred shares his faith or her faith on a regular basis? One out of a hundred. What is wrong with us? One out of a hundred. And here's what I want to challenge you with. Will you be that one? Will you choose to be that one that shares your faith? As we learned earlier, over three billion people on the planet, nearly a third of the population of the earth, follow false gods or no god. There are over 7,000 distinct people groups who are still unreached with the beautiful message of hope and salvation that we have received, and 1,771 languages still without any translation of the Bible whatsoever. The need to advance the kingdom is not only an international concern now, it's also a domestic one. Only China and India have more people without a saving knowledge of Jesus than those living in the United States right now. I'm going to repeat that. Only China and India have more people without a saving knowledge of Jesus than those living in the U.S. right now. The world is at our doorstep with the multicultural makeup of our American society in fact, there are over 1.5 million international students and scholars studying right here in North America. And they come from places like Saudi Arabia and China that are nearly impossible for us to send traditional missionaries to. Now, I think about sometimes the fact that Osama bin Laden was an international student. What if? What if someone had invited him over for lunch, or gone to the campus and just said, can I have a coffee with you? Let's just begin to develop a friendship. How different would our world be if Osama bin Laden had given his heart to Jesus? The Reverend Janet Eccles, um, a friend of mine, she received a vision at the conference several years ago for what her small rural church in the middle of nowhere, South Carolina, somewhere around Matthews. I've been there, this place is in the middle of nowhere. And they're like, what can we do? You know, she had a heart. She'd served in India. But here she was in this rural context. And she said, now they, take, they host 30 international students at a time. They go up, uh, I think, over to the um, University of South Carolina. They bring these vans up. They bring the students back. They have this whole weekend away. And all of their uh, church members host these folks. Their festivities include fishing and riding ATVs. And they have a barn dance. And they teach these folks the shag. And many of them don't know what the shag is. It's a dance in the South. That's what the shag is and they have barbecue and and then they stay in homes and they attend church the next day and many of these international students not all but many of them have given their hearts to Christ and they then take the gospel back to those nations that we can't get to 
It's a beautiful ministry, and it's, it's free. I mean, you, you host these folks for a meal or just to entertain and just get to know, and we're reaching the nations. There's so many ways like that. The refugees, the immigrants, there's so many ways that we can reach the nations right here. Now, I want to explain these stickers. So some of you may not have gotten a sticker. There's a red one, too. I've lost it up here, a little square red one. And this is 111. It says B1, C1, share one. And I want to just explain this. <clears throat> If you are a believer in Jesus, then you are part of God's mission force to reach his world. No one is exempt. There is a part for everyone to, to play. I know a lot of you know my daughter, Kelly. She has a rare syndrome, and she's got selective mutism and mental retardation and mental illness. And you know what her ministry is? Intercession, for one thing. She has a map in her room of the nations, and she dances and prays, plays praise music, and she dances on the nations. And I know that the heart of God hears those prayers, however they are formed, with her level of intelligence. And she, sometimes I videotape her just dancing to whatever, and I put these online, and she brings joy to so many people. And that's her ministry. There is a part for everyone to play. The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is on us, as Christians, as little Christ, that's what Christian means, little Christ, to be the one. So will you be the one? Now hold up your finger again and point it to the outside. The second point is others. I think about your daily life. Do you see the ones that God is putting in your path with him to share his love, his compassion, his salvation, his mercy? Here's my challenge to you. Will you begin to see the one or ones that God has uniquely positioned you to reach out to? And I encourage you to pray in the morning for divine appointments. It's amazing when you begin to do this. Just each morning, then open your eyes and your hearts to see how God sovereignly orchestrates your day, even the things that we think are detours, even the things that we think have gone wrong from where, what we had planned for our day. God puts these people in your path to bless in some way if we will see them, if we will take that little step of courage to reach out and, and connect. Now, I love my job, and I feel like I get to go from one divine appointment to the next. I love sharing my faith with people on airplanes and in different cultural settings, like this guru I sat beside on an airplane once who teaches transcendental meditation. I said, what do you do? He said, I'm a sat guru. I said, I'm sorry, I don't know what a sat guru is. And he said, I'm a guru who teaches other people how to be gurus. And I'm like, Lord, where do you find these people to put beside me on these planes? Like, oh my goodness. It was the most, it was the craziest, deepest spiritual conversation I've ever had. And I felt like I was so, I was so tired and I was so out of my league. And I kept getting up, he'd have ask some question and I'd go in the bathroom and I'd pray in the bathroom and I'd come back and I'd say, okay, now what was that question again? And then we go on and then I'd get up and I'd go, he's like, man, she's got a problem. And I was like, Lord, you got to help me. This is just crazy. I feel like I'm so out of my league, but I'm going to be obedient to this. And he, we had such a joy filled conversation. He said, most of the time when I sit beside a Christian and they hear what I do, they've asked to move seats. I said, I'd like to apologize on behalf of all of Christendom because that is sad, and I'm sorry. And we had just a joyful conversation at the end. I said, I haven't even, we haven't even exchanged names. What's your name? And he said, I've got to get my license out. You're not going to believe it. And I said, well, okay. He shows me his license. His name was Levon Pagan. <laughs> he said, I come from a long line of pagans. I said, well, it's going to stop right here. No. <laughs> or there was this young Buddhist girl who literally just, I was so not, 
interested in talking to anybody at this point. It was at the end of a long mission trip. I was in the Bangkok, uh, Thailand airport, and this beautiful Buddhist girl just sat from Myanmar, just plopped down in the seat across from me at this Starbucks in the airport and said, hi, my name is Haymar. What's yours? What do you do? And I'm like, if there was ever a softball that God <laughs> teed up to me to share my faith, even as tired as I was, and we talked and it became obvious that she had no idea what she believed as a Buddhist. So I explained to her, this is what Buddhists believe, this is what you believe, and this is what I believe. And, you know, and we just were able to share in such a natural way. And she was delighted to hear about Jesus. So it's, it's not as hard as we think when we just take that little step of obedience. And so here's where I suspect some of you are opting out of this second challenge. And you're saying, well, she's clearly an extrovert. And, well, she runs a full-time global mission agency, and I don't, so I think I'm, I think I'm good. No, these, those points are true, but that doesn't let you off the hook because I can't reach the people that you can reach because I don't know them, and you do. And oftentimes, it takes an introvert to reach an introvert. You know, those are not the people that God has called me to reach necessarily, but he's given us each different personalities and different gifts. And, and Jesus even knew that he could not single-handedly reach every person on the planet when he walked the earth among us. And that's why he commissioned the 12 and then the 72. And then he died and rose again and ascended to heaven and sent his Holy Spirit to anoint each of his followers. And we celebrate that at Pentecost. That was the tongues of fire that came to rest on each person to spread the good news to those in their sphere of influence. And this multiplication that you saw in that video, wasn't that powerful? We could fill a stadium every day for a thousand years with 20,000 people coming to faith in that every day and not reach the world. But if each one of us steps into this, we can do this in 34 years? Maybe I'll live that long, that'd be awesome. But we can't leave this task to a few stadium evangelists. So with everyone doing their part, we can actually fulfill the, the Great Commission in just a few short decades. So will you be the one, and will you see the one that God has called you to reach? Now finally, hold up your finger again and point to the heavens. God as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit is the one true God. And our increasingly post-Christian culture wants us to admit that our God is just one, just one that we've happened to have chosen for ourselves. It works for us. You know, the other gods work just as well for other people with other beliefs. Satan would love for us to buy into the lie that Christianity is a religion. And the religion really is personal. And so why don't we all just mind our own business? Christianity is not primarily a religion. It's a relationship with the one true God the creator of the heavens and the earth, and the creator of each one of us, uniquely created in the image of God. What a privilege when we really believe that and see that, receive it. And it's not so much that we have chosen him, but that he has chosen us to be his witnesses to a hurting and dying world. Just as he chose Israel and then Isaiah thousands of years ago to be his light to the nations. You know, Christianity is the only faith tradition where God comes down to us. In all the other religions, you have to ascend to him. You have to be good enough to get in. You have to appease the gods. A holy God enters a world full of sinners, sending his own son to pay the price that we could not pay in our own righteousness. It doesn't matter how many good deeds, it will never be enough. And that's why he sent Jesus 
to reconcile us back to the Father, and now who inhabits us by the person of the Holy Spirit to shine his light to others. The great I am paid the price so that every person on the planet might come into a living, loving, worshiping relationship with him. So it's not just good news for some, it's good news for all. So I want you to take my third challenge and share the one true God. So let's review. This might be the easiest sermon notes you've ever taken, right? You're going to remember this one. One, one, one. Three points. Be the one. See the one. And share the one true God. And I hope that this little sticker will just, you know, be a reminder to you. And take one if you didn't get one. Take one, whatever you want. Take as many. Give them out to your friends, whatever. You take them. They're for you to take. And today's message would just be a reminder to you to accept and live out this one, one, one challenge daily until all have heard. Let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this, this time this morning where we have been able to just look beyond our own selves, our own church, to see the fields that are ripe for the harvest, Lord, to see the things that break your heart, so many that don't know you, Lord. We thank you, Lord, for opening our eyes to see that you need every single one of us in this master plan to fulfill your great commission. Lord, help each of us, even now, Lord, to hear your still small voice, giving us one little idea of how we can reach out to disciple that one that might disciple another one that might disciple another one. Lord, until all have heard. And Lord, we just confess that we, we can't do this in our own strength. We don't want to. And we're so glad that we don't have to. We're so glad that you are alive, seated at the right hand of the Father, and you have sent your own Holy Spirit to inhabit us, to teach us, to lead us, to show us how to daily follow you in this missional life that you've given us as Christians. So Lord, we pray today for all those who don't know you, and we pray that you would show us the ones that you're calling us to reach until all have heard. We ask this in the powerful name of Jesus. Amen.